Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into another edition of the Garden Report presented by Car Shield, America's number one auto protection agency. Celtics fall to the Heat in six games. That's it, season over. We're already we're done. We're turning the page. We're looking at next year. We're not going to talk Dunzo. about this anymore. Um, Celtics have never an, happened. Celtics have a young core, a ton of talent. Doesn't mean they don't have needs. What are we looking at next year? What are That's we looking key, at, John? Their off season's going to be short. Like yeah. We're turning the page. They're turning the page. So, yeah. so much of the Celtics' improvement next year is going to have to be internal. There's not going to be a lot of changes here. Gordon Hayward's not going anywhere, barring something that would have made Al Horford's departure look like a given. So they're going to have all these pieces back, especially the younger guys, Grant Williams, Rob Williams. Those guys need to make big strides in oh, an good. off season where there's not going to be a lot of personnel. If that's that the answer, Bobby. <laughs> well, what are they going to do? Have you looked at the free agent list? Have you looked at the draft? Like, there's not a miracle coming in here. It's going to be internal, and they're great players are already pretty great. You, right. you, can, get a, also, you can get a Romeo type at 14. He's got to be able to play. Like, that's another thing that's going to be able to boost this team. <laughs> no, I mean, we talk about all the type. talent that this team has. We talk about you know the youngsters and yeah, how they're you know. Blossom you get 90 points from your everyday team. players. That's exactly what I'm with Bobby. You know, you, you give these guys their reps. You see who's ready. Is Grant Williams ready to be an everyday player? Are we going to keep seeing DMPs from him, you know, that we saw throughout the postseason next year? Uh, does he make a stride? Robert Williams, of course, is another one. I like these bigs, you know. I, I like seeing uh, Brad Stevens have all these guys uh, healthy. So, you know, with the assumption that Cantor signs on for the second year, uh, you know, between Cantor, Tice, I think Tice can make a stride here between now and next season. And, and Robert Williams, I, I think I think Brad Stevens has to find out what he has one more year with those guys before they start talking about bringing in a, a center. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jimmy, your thoughts, and then I want to I want to ask a follow up here. Yeah, similar. I mean, I think it, what I want to know is what Danny Ainge thinks about this this squad because you know Trader Danny is not is not shy to shake things up, and if if somebody becomes available that he thinks is fills the need for the Celtics, well, he's got a lot of very desirable pieces on this team. If he thinks that this current team doesn't have enough to get over the top, um, you know, he's looking ahead to, you know, what the Heat are doing or what the Bucks could do or what, you know, whatever. Name any team. The Lakers, you know, if your ambitions are NBA Finals champion, you say, well, wait a second, do we have enough to compete with these teams? So I have no idea. I'm just throwing it out, throwing it out there that Danny Ainge could have completely different thoughts than we do. Otherwise, I mean, listen, if you're the Celtics, you're in a good position because the the best players on your team are coming back. They're young for the most part, and they're improving. So if you can improve 
the way some of these guys improved this year, Tatum and, and Brown, for example, then you're going into the next season better than you were theoretically. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to slice this. And again, I, I agree that um, most like what, what Bobby said initially, most of the changes have to be not changes. Most of the improvement has to come. Most of the yeah. growth and improvement has to come from within. Um, and but I, the thing is, I don't know. I, I I mean, what do you guys want Grant Williams to be when he grows up? I'm no, not sure. it's not Grant. It's Rob. Rob's gonna I be agree with to, Rob yeah. too. But yeah, like, yeah, I don't, Bobby, he's like, nah, Grant's whack. I, I, <laughs> no, Grant I, is Grant's gonna do what he does for the entirety of his career, probably. And he had a pretty good rookie year. We're just bummed we they didn't get a different guy. Grant Williams is already a seven year veteran, which is to say, like. That's right. kind of who he is. I he's think. already a role player. Right. Like a, I mean, he shot like seventy percent from team. three in the playoffs. It's just about how ask? much is he going to progress in one one off season? I, I don't see it. I agree. It's Rob and and a, maybe a miracle from Romeo. Maybe a year. And again, it's Ooh, not Romeo being able to play. Period would have helped in this game specifically. Play a few games in a row without getting hurt would be great. Mm-hmm. Something like right. that. Right. Yeah, that would be ideal. I mean, come this guy's back been hurt since he. Played college for two years. He was he's hurt in hurt. college. He was drafted hurt. You know. Well, what we got to think. We, they we call gotta, me Mr. Glass. Think. <laughs> I think we forget that we forget opening night and the beginning of the season, but we forget last off season where they lost the core of last year's team. They drafted a ton of nineteen and twenty year olds, and we're thinking, all right, this is going to be like a mini turnover. Then you get Kemba, and all of a sudden, there's expectations and everything else. So the team was half built to contend and half built to be good in like 2023, 24. So that might have to be something you reckon with going forward in terms of moves is making the roster a little bit more win now mode. If if you can even get value for any of those, if guys. you can, but I don't see how you do that without no. getting rid of a core piece. And yeah. so then it comes down to who is that? Really, it seems like the one that would hurt would be like a Jalen, which you're not going to do. And then mm-hmm. the other thing, the only other possibility is really Marcus at that point. Yeah. You can't do Hayward because the option. And, and, and you can't really do Hayward. I don't think Kemba. Right. Uh, so really you're, you're talking about Tatum, obviously. Marcus. And certainly it's not Tatum. And certainly it's not Jalen. So look, we have the improvements from within from some of the lesser players, but ultimately I think the success of this team is going to come down to the ascension of their stars to a, to that next level. And we talked about this a little on the post-game show. Um, Tatum and Brown took leaps before the year and during the year. That I mean, it's 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 rare to see people players take two leaps in a year, and they both did. It felt like um, can <laughs> they do it one year? In one year, I feel like it was, but it was like almost like two years. It kind of felt right. Like it, it was. was- it's but a they short took the off leap in your, yeah. But that's the thing: is the short off season. Do these guys have another level to hit, or are they going to come back with the same exact guys? Because it's going to be like in in like in like fifteen minutes, they got to like report for camp. <laughs> Rob, someone set Rob Williams' alarm for him. Okay, got <laughs> to <laughs> wake up for the first training camp practice like now. Oh no, yeah, no, we'll <laughs> feel like that. I think they do. I think both of them do, but I think they have to do it as a cohesive unit, though. That's the difference. And I think these two guys need to be the top two guys uh, in terms of getting their their touches and, and, and uh, attempts. But only Kemba Walker can change that. We talked about that a little bit also in the postgame show. I think Kemba Walker sort of has to take a step aside here and, and let these two guys lead the team. Now, Kemba Walker may be reluctant to do that, thinking that maybe he thinks he has at least another year where he could be one, you know, one of the top guys. But maybe that's a conversation that they have to sort themselves out and see what's better for the team moving forward. I think that's going to be interesting to see uh, how that unfolds. That's Agreed. a great point. That's a great point, Joe Slade, because I, we talked about this on post game. 
we need Jalen to take on that number two spot. And that's going to involve more ball time, more passing responsibility, just a role that will be more conducive to getting him shots on a consistent basis. Because right now he relies on other guys setting him up. It's the opposite for Kemba. You know, he's never an off-ball guy. They tried it a few times this year. It didn't go well. If he's going to be his most effective, he needs to be on the ball. So there's a contrast there. Like, they need to get more time for Brown, but less ball time for Kemba probably gets less from Kemba. So you talk about that collective need for improvement. It's on those two guys to come to some sort of, you know, reconciliation there. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jimmy, did you have something to add there? No, I mean, I mean, I agree with both these guys. I, I think that you, you're we're all we're all kind of saying the same things. Like, is the Jalen and and Tatum are the future? They're they're the present and the future of this team. And I think anybody around the organization knows that. I mean, Danny Ainge, you know, went after Tatum. You know, we all know how that draft how that draft went and and how much he was targeting Tatum. And um, you know, he's a big fan of Brown, and and Brown is has. I think proved a lot of people wrong. I think there were a lot of people who weren't super high on that pick. Phenomenal season. Yeah. 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 I mean, Brown bubble Brown really did take it to, I think even more than, more than anyone, bubble Brown really took it to that next level. And I do think that that's his new nickname. Bubble Brown, (laughs) bubble Brown himself. Um, I do think that there's more room for growth for those, for both those players. I think, I, I think Brown, hasn't even tapped into his leadership potential on this team. I, I even You're if right. he's not the You're 100% you know, right. Even if he's not the the most talented player on the team, I think that he has like more captain like qualities and more leadership qualities and I think he will res- will end up with that role in time. Yeah, and that's a good point. Cuz look at look what he did in the bubble. Not to cut you off, John. I just want to uh, throw this in yeah, real quick. No. You know, between uh, the, the the boycott with the Bucks and how vocal he was in that and a room that involved LeBron James, I think, spoke volumes. And I also mm-hmm. think it gives confidence for himself uh, yeah. to, to be more vocal with his own team when he was doing it in front of the entire league, so to speak, yeah. you know, or at least the Players Association. Yeah, and for ducking sure. all those thrown chairs from Marcus Smart, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, the way he was painted out, like he – Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> he pressed some accountability on Smart. But he's kind of like, no, F you, right. You're yeah. right. No, Marcus, I am not on that bullshit. No, he has the makings. Yeah, exactly. He has the <laughs> makings of that. He's got to take that to the next level. Tonight's edition of the Garden Report is brought to you by CarShield. Computer systems and cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost a fortune. Now is not the time for expensive repairs. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. It has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield gives you options others won't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers. So arrive with confidence knowing you've got coverage from America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. All you have to do is call 800-CAR-6000, mention the code BEAT, or visit carshield.com and use the code BEAT to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code BEAT. 
It is the off season. Here we go. What's it going to? Oh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> Brad. Okay. Okay. Does he Bobby deserve? Sh- does he deserve scrutiny? Is there anything? It's going to happen. And you know, it's, it's a tiptoe around annoying. it. John. It's going to. It's going to be an annoying debate, where some people are baselessly going to blame Brad for the loss, and other people will say Brad is an infallible person, and you guys are stupid, and you don't understand basketball, and of course he can't go. Okay, <laughs> that's how these arguments go. Smart basketball people tell the the hot take people that they're idiots, but mm-hmm. the truth is usually somewhere in the middle, um, which is sure, yeah, Brad deserves probably some scrutiny. Doesn't mean he's going to go anywhere this season. Doesn't mean they don't have faith in him. But what are we looking for here to maximize the potential of this team that we believe had enough talent to reach the finals this year? And if they don't take another le- leap next year with this core. Um, at what point do you start to say, well, what's going on, Brad? Mm. I think that's it right there, all right? <laughs> I think one more year should do it, right? Because again, it's not a hot seat year. It's just a – Right. Oh, I think you have to take a lot of – right. well, get close, you right. know? Yeah, and, and I think, again, what we talked about before, the Bucks weren't there. They didn't face Giannis. They beat the Raptors. I think there's some to that. I mean, we questioned him about his substitutions and, and when, when he benched uh, that crucial game four loss when he when he when he benched those guys or was it game three which whichever game it was um, yeah he made some questionable decisions and between that and what what happened after game two and the fighting I think some people will even point to that but I don't think that it, that necessarily falls on Brad I think what it comes to what it comes down to or at least what I was questioning him was is his uh, lack of confidence in the second unit and I think that really sort of hurt the Celtics because he was not quite sure what to do with rotations. And when he was up against it, when the Celtics are finally down 3-1, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Robert, Grant, now I really need you guys. Or, you know, Inez, you know, okay, here you go now. You know, like, I just think he was sort of timid and second-guessing a lot of those decisions. And a lot of that had to do with the pressure from going up against someone like Eric Spolstra. You know, I just think that he was in the chess match in two of these series, you know, against the Raptors and against the Miami Heat. So, yeah, I give a little bit to Brad, but not a whole lot. I do. He has to get some, though. So my thing with Brad is that, and I, I, I'm not questioning his coaching at all. I think he's actually done pretty well with the fact that, what is it, seven or eight years he's now a coach to Celtics, which is crazy to think about. But he's had so many different teams in that span where you can make the case that he's kind of coached like four different teams. I mean, the first year, obviously, he was, you know, tasked with taking on a, a roster of, you know, misfits, essentially. Then you have the Isaiah Thomas years. Then you have the Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Irving years. And now you have this sort of, team where you're expecting that this core group is sort of going to be around for a, a few years, right? So I'm really interested to see how next year goes because there's not going to, you assume there's not going to be that turnover that we've seen uh, in previous off seasons. This is sort of the group. So does Brad have to take on some of, of, of the, the fault here? Of course. I mean, he's part of the team and, and he is the coach. And I do think Spolster probably outcoached him a little bit, but I'm also, I'm also not going to say, oh, he's not the guy for this job because he did take this team. They beat expectations, and we have every reason to believe that they'll oh. be able to to be there again. And um, so, for that reason, I, I think he's doing a fine job, and I think he, he can work on some things. I, I think that I'd like to see a little bit more Mad Brad, um, you know, out there. I think sometimes mm-hmm. he can be a little too nice, and I think players might think. And I, I, I'm just spitballing here, but I think players might think, well. I can probably take this shot and, and get away with it. And, and like, I'm not really going to hear it. You know what I mean? Whereas maybe if pop 
pops on the sidelines, maybe you think twice about a couple of those shot chucking shots that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Even in game five, he was doing like his best Nick Nurse impression. Like, what was that? What happened in game yeah. six? You know, he was screaming from the sidelines, really, you know, doing yeah. all that. No, he, he has some adaptability to him. And some of the, there's a lot of context against some of the criticism because we would have lost our mind if Brad and Semi were in the game because he was trying to send a message to Kemba or Tatum or any of the others. Like, it wouldn't have gone well the other way. He didn't have sure. the leverage to test them. He didn't. And that, that's where it comes down to Ainge, too. And we don't pull Ainge into this conversation enough. But he built a team that was sort of split in the middle, as I mentioned. Yeah, he didn't give Brad the options to go to some alternatives in those different situations. And that goes back to the trade deadline and the draft. Two huge missed opportunities for this team to consolidate. Now we go into this offseason saying a lot of their assets aren't as valuable. So Brad, I think he does I think he makes the most of his situations all the time. Now, one criticism I have of Brad is the high hierarchy we talk about. I think he leaves that to the team. Develop your own hierarchy on the court and work off each other. He doesn't want to insert himself in those situations because it can be a little more disruptive, he probably feels like. Um but they need that to some degree. We see the end of game six, how not having some level of hierarchy and roles and all those different things uh, can undermine a team because we know talent at the top end of this team wasn't an issue this year. And that's what it comes down to in the postseason. But it, this is a thing, that hierarchy situation, that again, it, it rolls back years. It's his philosophy. You, you look at the conference finals a couple of years ago, uh, when Tatum was the only guy who's getting any buckets for the team, and in late late in the stages of game, they seven, got away from him. Yeah, he didn't, get a shot, he didn't get a shot off in the last yeah. five minutes of the game or something. Like yeah. that's unacceptable, you know. Like, and so that's what we mean is like you're right. If you are adaptable, you'd have to learn from some of these situations that you're in. We're not going to call them mistakes because you have philosophies. It's hard to weigh the good versus the bad, which is how much does having faith in everyone maximize their potential and allow them to play freely throughout the course of the game that even puts you in a position that you're within a basket or two of, you know, winning a game late in that game. It it might do way more good than harm, but in those late game situations, you're right. If you don't have that semblance of order, Mm -hmm. it looks like nobody's coaching you know that's that's the vibe (laughs) of game game you're watching right and that's what people see and they're like that's where people react emotionally which is what's brad doing you know and that's kind of like where where all that stuff just kind of vomits out of people i agree if you're going to point at people right now Ainge for the roster construction put Brad in a position where he didn't have a lot of outs. He couldn't send messages. He couldn't run a lot of creative rotations. He couldn't do a lot of different things because he just had what he had. I think he got a. We we talked all postseason long about surviving bench big minutes. You know, like every time you put you went to his bench, you would hold your breath and be like, "Is are we going to get through this?" Even Cantor, yeah, it was Cantor ultimately the best oh. choice for backup center. Uh, they made the best of him. But he wasn't a reliable, everyday kind of rotation yeah. piece there. So, so fair or not, he's going to catch some. Um, yeah. yeah. I think he's low on the totem pole. Blame. I, I still think he's low. I'm just saying the expect. I, I think he's low on the blame totem pole. I, but I think, the, as Joe Sway said, um, the expectations next year are, okay, cool. Yeah. L- but now what? Now let's mm-hmm. let's get there. I mean, you said the number everyone's going to point to at the end of the day is thirty-seven and thirty-six, and that's the playoff record. 
Ah, oh, come on. And, that's a little and, deceiving. And I'm just saying that's what people are going to point to. Is it is that. deceiving because he made the playoffs with some bad teams, you know, and it was almost a miracle that they even got there. So I don't really put much stock into that. It's not three out of four conference finals. That's an accomplishment because most right. of the years they overachieved. Right. Yeah, yeah. and that's four oh, extra losses. Yeah. But you, you said, you said, I think it was John said, you know, next year's not like a hot seat year. And I wouldn't say it's a hot seat year, but it's like a war. It's definitely warm in the sense where it's like there's a lot of people who are going to be seeing how, how yeah. this team does next year. And if, and if they underperform, it's like 2019 kind of a lot, kinda. A lot yeah. louder, right. a lot louder voices going to, are going to be calling. 2019 is a self-admitted failure by Brad to be able to coach that team. He couldn't do it. He didn't do it. He admitted he to, was, he was high on the totem pole. He right? admitted yeah. to doing a bad job with that team. So he knew it. Okay. But then Kyrie's did, a coach killer, I think. But then we do then then that thing happens that Brad is good at, which is coaching a team with reduced expectations, you know, and getting them to play together and let's right. rally around it. We don't have Kyrie here anymore and let's get this together. And he did. And that's good. But now the expectations are going to be up again, you know? So now you gotta teach coach a team that now has a lot of superstars again. You know, yep. the, the knock on the Kyrie team was too many, too many superstars. Too many mouths to feed. Well, you can, you're getting there now. We're talking about taking the it's ball in his hands, putting it in Jalen's hands more, getting him to accept a reduced role, and also the thirty million dollar guy, you know, uh, who's going to opt into his contract also needs to take a secondary role. You're asking a lot of people to sacrifice right now, and he's going to be in that same boat. I think this group is more equipped to do it than the one that Kyrie was on, but it's a lot of the same players. And now all of them, when they go up, they want more, you know, they're going to want more. So Brad's going to have to manage that. Well, last year it was just Kyrie was the guy and and nobody else on the team wanted him to be the guy, but they didn't have, they, they, they just, there was such a disconnect there where they were just like, fine, you go, go, go. Kyrie established the hierarchy. Exactly. And I think that was one of Brad's faults is that he didn't step in in time to, sort of bridge that that massive gap that was Kyrie and everybody else. You know, he, right. I think he kind of let the players hope the players could do it on their own and they couldn't. And I, I don't think that happened this year, but when you when you do hear about the, you know, a little a, a little back and forth in the locker room, you start to wonder, well maybe these guys were kind of sick of each other by the end here. Yeah. All right. Well these are all interesting conversations we're gonna keep having throughout the year. I think all of us are in agreement largely Brad Stevens is very low on the totem pole on things that went wrong with what this team next year. But toughness is an issue. Closing games is an issue. A hierarchy is an issue. No, toughness isn't an issue, remember? Oh, not according to Tatum. <laughs> but all of, all of these things are things that a coach needs to address with his team that Brad's going to have to figure out how how for, for this team to not do those things next year, okay? I'm not saying he can wave a magic wand and make it happen instantly, but these are things that can't happen. You can't have a team... Right. And again, you look at any sport, you have teams that fall apart late, blow leads, you look to the coach, okay? Mm-hmm. And so he's not the one jacking threes out there, but he's got to be the one stopping them from doing it. You know, he's got – We can't. Ha- you can't have this team be that team again next year because it's a recipe for disaster and another, another you know, exit and, and, and round of disappointment. So again, this segment presented by – Car Shield, America's number one auto protection agency. Jimmy, you want to read the number? One eight hundred K six thousand. Make sure you mention R R, not the H. Code beat. Make sure you mention the code beat, like the Heat put the beat down on the. Put the beat bit. down on us. The beat on the ten percent off. Or go to CarShield.com. 
Oh yeah. Sorry, I did the whole read. Cash. Do that. And use the code beat kid. Beat. Yeah, are you gonna forget to say that quam kid? Come you, on. Got, you gotta throw kid at the end of it. Use the code beat kid. Save ten percent. Brad Stevens gonna need a cash shield on Stevens. talk radio. All right. So that's it again for Bobby Manning, Jimmy Toscano, Joe Sway Pavone. Thanks for watching.